weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are uh, two aspiring actors who are realizing that uh, we totally fucked up. We shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have become actors. We regret it. We want to write home. Um, but uh, we're really bad at that because we've spent all our time trying to act. Mm-hmm. So to um, get back to our roots and, and write home to mama and papa. We are deciding to issue a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read uh, a story, we talk about what we learned in reading it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Exactamundo, we're simply here to help you do the right thing. Uh, Doof, Doof Media, Media Production. production. Do, y'all, do y'all say it alongside us, that part? I think you should. I think yeah. that's the full do the right thing experience. Mm-hmm. It's just um, to say the um, the um, whole intro, no matter mm-hmm, what we mm-hmm. might say, because hopefully, yes. if you're paying yes. attention, you're picking up on our mental mm-hmm, pictures mm-hmm, that we're projecting mm-hmm, through mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, audio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You should be able to pick it up and uh, guess just fine. Um, so how's it going, uh, uh, y'all? Yeah, how are y'all post-Christmas? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you get anything good? Did you get nothing? Are you realizing that it's getting colder by the day? Um, what did what did you get for for uh, Christ's birthday, Travis? Um, I got a big load of nothing, mostly because I honestly didn't want anything. Um, <laughs> okay. Thankfully, I am in this point in my life where I'm trying to uh, live as simply as possible, which is actually a lie because I. Just got a huge TV and bought Cyberpunk, so <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. kind of null and void. But um, yeah, I'm I, thankfully I don't really want for anything. And also, my family was so nice to pay oh, for nice. um, car repairs that I needed. Um, Heroic, before, yeah. Before I can drive down here, so for me, that's my Christmas gift, um, and I'm very thankful for that. But what about you? What did you get? Uh, I got COVID. Oh, <laughs> what a wonderful gift. How are you? Yeah, so uh, my mom went to get a test the day before Christmas Eve, mm. um, and then they didn't get her results until Christmas Day, which were positive, and I was Oof. also sick, and now my dad's also sick. We're, we're, we're pretty much okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's still, like, you know, too early to be like, oh, we're safe. But um, we seem to be having all very, very mild cases, like, not even as bad as a cold, just some coughing. Okay. So, well, you know, good. maybe maybe we are just very, very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, very. And uh, so how long have you been sick? And, like, do you, like, have you been getting better since the initial sickness? Or how's it I going? think so. Okay. Um, like, it was almost not noticeable. Like, uh, it was just some coughing and, like, phlegm. Mm-hmm. um and not even like it's not even the coughing of like oh uh you know i i need a cough right now it's just like oh i got stuff in my throat it's easier to if i cough, cough it it'll, out yeah. it'll loosen it up okay. or whatever so that's that's how i felt i haven't taken a test yet so you know maybe i actually just have something else maybe it's just allergies and i'm gonna get <laughs> covid still so hopefully not um uh yeah so that's what's going on in my household um that that was my christmas we were masked <laughs> up on Christmas, <gasps> maybe. So, uh what if Santa if, gave it to you? Oh, and he. Ha- oh, well, if he if he's visiting a million homes, exactly, and he he's probably gonna doesn't get it. Wear oh my god! Mask, so, 
but I mean, even if he did, like, there's no way that he wouldn't ex- get exposed, like, you know, that many people. Yeah, like, and oh he's also gosh. going down. He's, he's also going down chimneys, so he probably yeah. has really bad lungs, just in general. Yeah, so. he probably. Yeah, it's got. Oh, he already has the black lung. Yeah, and like, now he has COVID on top of that. That's that's horrible. That's yeah. That's oof. Mm. wow. That's extremely responsible. Rest Damn. in peace. I mean, Rest, honestly, rip and piss. I'm I'm surprised that, that he's lasted this this long. But now with mm-hmm. COVID nineteen mm-hmm. out there, and also he he went to the UK probably, and they have COVID twenty there. So that's it's, it's not looking good for old Saint Nick. I honestly don't mm-hmm. know if mm-hmm. we'll be able to have Christmas next year. Do you um do you think he should be uh, tried for crimes against humanity? Well, technically, uh, he is probably one of the biggest reasons why COVID nineteen has spread as fast as mm-hmm. it has been, especially over mm-hmm. these these last few few days. So mm-hmm. I think he should be tried. Um, I don't know if he should be tried to the fullest extent of the law because he does do a lot of charity work. But I do think, um, based off of how many people he uh, he actually spread it to, I'm thinking like maybe nine, ten years. Yeah, that's, that's probably fine for him. I, that's I, I mean that's pretty. I mean he's immortal, so like we could really we can give him whatever. You know? I know that's that honestly. If we gave him life, he'll probably be fine because he he doesn't do anything until one day a year that's and, true and, and the whole other time he's just telling other people what to do and honestly, that does like, i sound think, a little that sounds like a little a little slavey to me it, to, it, it really prison him except for the one day where you work but i mean i guess that is legal in the united states of america so true yeah honestly we should just we should just get the elves to do santa's job because they're the one because there's because they're the ones making mm-hmm. the uh, toys they're the ones who load them up and really, mm-hmm. all Santa does is just like drink a forty, and then like yell at some elves to 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 start running. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could just get the elves to deliver the presents and just have them dressed right. up as Santa because we can't. Yeah, see and they them could anyway. they could just vote democratically on the process rather than you know bowing to a tyrant exactly. That you know, even elect. Yeah. So yeah, the elves should um, make a form a union, and then I'll just form a uh, a commune. You know, mm-hmm. with the elves. With the elves. Um. All right. That's a great opening discussion. Uh. <laughs> to this this seasonal uh, episode. Yeah. Uh. Merry Chrysler and merry oh. other uh holidays. Uh. Everyone else, happy Hanukkah mm-hmm. and uh Kwanzaa as well, and all the other ways. Okay. I still don't understand the deal with kwanzaa what do you I mean still don't because it's like it's not like a it's like a it's like a pan african-american holiday or something yes. right so but it's not like it's it's okay so yeah kwanzaa is weird because um it is celebrated partially in africa but it doesn't i think fall on the same day i think kwanzaa is just um a way for American African uh, uh, Americans to really connect mm-hmm. to their roots, and also it was a much bigger thing um, back in the day. I'm talking seventies, eighties, and nineties uh, mm-hmm. during the uh, reconnecting movement in the um, African American community. I'm not really sure how many people still really celebrate it now. Um, 
So I'm giving know. them to Google. It says, uh, according to Wikipedia, that that uh, perfect source. Yeah. Uh, this is related to Pan Africanism. Mm-hmm. It's uh, American. Uh, Maulana Karenga created Kwanzaa in 1966 during the aftermath of the Watts riots as a specifically African-American holiday. Karenga said his goal was to give blacks an alternative to the existing holiday of Christmas and give blacks an opportunity to celebrate themselves and their history rather than simply imitate the practice of the dominant society. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. And I think that uh, for a lot of people, it's, it's probably very freeing to uh, celebrate Kwanzaa um so yeah i mean hey uh, just a thing. couple just uh, let me read um uh, two paragraphs ahead during the earlier early years of kwanzaa Kringa said it was meant to be an alternative to christmas he believed jesus was psychotic and christianity was a white religion that black people should shun um hey. which you know <laughs> valid debatable hey, you know valid uh, it's and worth debatable. a worthy read yeah yeah <laughs> um you know, I don't want to give a blanket statement either way, but I mean, if we're being some real, uh, Christianity was in fact forced upon the early slaves who did have their own oh yeah yeah, form yeah, yeah of beliefs yeah. and religions. I don't know if this uh, if just religion itself is really dominated by any one group. I don't know about that, but I do understand where this guy is coming from, and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I appreciate what he's doing or what he's trying to do well okay i was about to say i feel bad that i don't see uh stuff about kwanzaa and commercials and stuff but like okay mm, a, well there's a <laughs> is is the commercialization of a holiday really a good thing and b i don't see stuff about hanukkah either so you know, exactly. maybe that's actually not representative at all well, i mean i think i think concept. one of the biggest reasons why christmas is so commercialized is because it lends itself to gift giving as one of the major factors of it uh, even though that shouldn't be the main focus. But hey, we live in a society where if it's not making money, it doesn't really matter. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I think is just delightfully ironic? What? So like half of, more than half, almost all the Christmas movies that just out there are about how Christmas is not about the gifts. It's about the, you know, the, the, the bonds you have with other Spirit, people. Or yeah. maybe it's the act of giving, but it's mostly, like, about, yeah, relationships and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, you know, it's a made-up concept. It can be whatever yeah. you want it to be about. Actually, it's not like Christmas thing, is, but... to many people, it's just Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so, um, the, the thing is, so with all those Christmas movies, right, it's like, hey, it's not about, you know, uh, consumerism, right? Yeah. And then... Because there's a movie, there's a bunch of products being sold about that movie. Yes, with the for that movie <laughs> for Christmas. So it, I think it kind of cancels out. For like that, that movie, you have to probably spend ten dollars on the Hallmark Channel. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's filled with ads. So yes, lovely irony. Um, Those movies are they're all bad, I mean, and it's. Half of them are bad in a funny way where it's like, wow, they really thought they were doing something here. And then half of them are just cashing in on the sort of hackney uh, uh, spirit of Christmas where if Mm -hmm. you just do three different things, have a song, have have some sort of romance and, and have a scene of them kissing in the snow, people instantly like it for some unknown 
a base human reason. Yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into this week's story. Yes. Uh, what are, what are the Christmas. words this week, Travis? Thank you so much for asking me. The words for this <laughs> week are clue, dose, lead, and flesh. And also, these these stories that were written this week were about satire. So I am very e- uh, so I am very eager to sit down and read those. But the story we are going to going to be reading before that is an actor's end by Anton Chekhov. That's right. Um, sorry if you hear screaming in the background. My brother is another room away, and he's he's watching Attack on Titan. Oh, so that's ample screaming. Um, on that. What, yeah, there's a lot of... Is he yeah. watching the new season, or is he catching mm, up? No, he's he's on... Yeah, he's catching up. He's on season two. Oh, oof. He has a way to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, that's basically where I stopped, too. But mm. anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, this is another story by Anton Chekhov. A, um, he's Russian, and <laughs> uh, we'll get into it. He writes... They, they, these Russians write dark stories, so here's, uh, here's one of them. All right. Can't wait to hear it. An Actor's End, a story by Anton Chekhov. Shipsov, the heavy father and good-hearted simpleton, a tall and thick-set old man, not so much distinguished by his talents as an actor as by his exceptional physical strength, had a desperate quarrel with the manager during the performance. Just when the storm of words was at its height, he felt as though something had snapped in his chest. Zukov, the manager, as a rule, began at the very at the end of every heated discussion to laugh hysterically and to fall into a swoon. And on this occasion, however, Shipsov did not remain for this climax, but hurried home. The high words and the sensation of something ruptured in his chest so agitated him as he left the theater that he forgot to wash off his paint and did nothing to take off his beard. When he reached his hotel room, Shipsov spent a long time pacing up and down, then sat down on the bed, propped his head on his fists, and sank into thought. He sat like that without stirring or uttering a sound till two o'clock the next afternoon, when Seagave, the comic man, walked into his room. Why is it you did not come to the rehearsal, Booby Ivanovich? Ivanich, the comic man said, panting and filling the room with fumes of vodka. Where have you been? Shipsov made no answer, but simply stared at the comic man with lusterless eyes, under which there were smudges of paint. "'You might at least have washed your face,' Sigov said. "'You are a disgraceful sight. Have you been boozing, or are you ill, or what? But why don't you speak? I'm asking you, are you ill?' Shipsov did not speak. In spite of the paint on his face, the comic man could not help noticing his striking pallor the drops of sweat on his forehead and the twitching of his lips. His hands and feet were trembling too, and the whole figure of the good-natured simpleton looked somehow crushed and flattened. The comic man took a rapid glance around the room, but saw neither bottle nor flask, nor any other suspicious vessel. "'I say, Mishutka, you know you are ill,' he said in a flutter. "'Strike me dead, you are ill! You don't look yourself!' Shipsov remained silent and stared disconsolately at the floor. "'You must have caught a cold,' said Seagave, taking him by the hand. "'Oh, dear, how hot your hands are! What's the trouble?' "'I want to go home,' muttered Shipsov. "'But you are home now, aren't you?' "'No, to... to Vyazma.' 
oh my, anywhere else. It would take you three years to get to your Vyazma. What, do you want to go and see your daddy and mummy? I'll be bound. They've kicked the bucket years ago. You won't find their graves. My home's there. Come, it's no good giving way to the dismal dumps. These neurotic feelings are the limit, old man. You must get well, for you have to play Mitka in the terrible Tsar tomorrow. There is nobody else to do it. Drink something hot and take some castor oil. Have you got the money for some castor oil? Or stay, I'll run and buy some. The comic man fumbled in his pockets, found a 15 kopeck piece, and ran to the chemist's. A quarter of an hour later, he came back. Come, drink it, he said, holding the bottle to the heavy father's mouth. Drink it straight out of the bottle. I'll let it go. That's the way. Now nibble at a clove that your very soul may stink of it. The comic man sat a little longer with his sick friend, then kissed him tenderly and went away. Toward evening, the young premier, Ramaglinsky, ran in to see Sheepskov. The gifted actor was wearing a pair of prunella boots, had a glove on his left hand, was smoking a cigar, and even smelt of heliotrope. Yet nevertheless, he strongly suggested a traveler cast away in some land in which there were neither baths, nor laundresses, nor tailors. I hear you are ill, he said to Sheepsov, twirling round on his heel. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, really? Sheepsov did not speak nor stir. Why don't you speak? Do you feel giddy? Oh, well, don't talk. I won't pester you. Don't talk. Bramaglinsky, that was his stage name and his passport, he was just called Guskov, walked away to the window, put his hands in his pockets, and fell to gazing into the street. Before his eyes stretched an immense waste, bounded by a gray fence beside which ran a perfect forest of last year's burdocks. Beyond the waste ground was a dark, deserted factory, with windows boarded up. A belated jackdaw was flying round the chimney. This dreary, lifeless scene was beginning to be veiled in the dusk of the evening. I must go home, the young premier heard. Where is home? To Vyazma, to my home. It is a thousand miles to Vyazma, my boy, sighed Brahma Glinsky, drumming on the window pane. What do you want to go to Vyazma for? I want to die there. What next? Now he's dying. He has fallen ill for the first time in his life and he already fancies that his last hour has come. No, my boy, no cholera will carry off a buffalo like you. You'll live to be a hundred. Where's the pain? There's no pain, but I feel... You don't feel anything. It all comes from being too healthy. Your surplus energy upsets you. You ought to get jolly tight drunk, you know, till your whole inside is topsy-turvy. Getting drunk is wonderfully restoring. Do you remember how screwed you were at Rostov on the dawn? Good lord, the very thought of it is alarming. Sashka and I could altogether could only just carry in the barrel, and you emptied it alone, and even sent for a rum afterwards. You got so drunk you were catching devils in the sack and pulled a lamppost up by the roots. Do you remember? Then you went off to beat the Greeks. Under the influence of these agreeable reminiscences, Shitsov's face brightened a little, and his eyes began to shine. But do you remember how I beat Savokin, the manager, he muttered, raising his head. But there! I've beaten 33 managers in my time, and I can't remember how many smaller fry. And what managers they were! Men who would not permit the very winds to touch them! I've beaten two celebrated authors and one painter! 
What are you crying for? At Kursun, I killed a horse with my fists. At Taganrog, some roughs fell upon me at night, fifteen of them. I took off their caps, and they followed me begging, Uncle, give us back our caps. That's how I used to go on. What are you crying for, then, you silly? But now it's... it's all over. I feel it. If only I could go to Vyazma. A pause followed. After a silence, Shitsov suddenly jumped up and seized his cap. He looked distraught. Goodbye, I'm going to Vyazma, he articulated, staggering. And the money for the journey? Um, hmm, I shall go on foot. You are crazy. The two men looked at each other, probably because the same thought of the boundless plains, the unending forests and swamps, struck both of them at once. Well, I see you have gone off your head, the young premier commented. I'll tell you what, old man. First thing, go to bed, then drink some brandy and tea to put you into a sweat, and some castor oil, of course. Stay, where am I to get some brandy? Brahma Glinsky thought a minute, then made up his mind to go to a shopkeeper called Menantrinikov to try and get it from her on tick. Who knows? Perhaps a woman would feel for them and let them have it. The young premier went off, and half an hour later returned with a bottle of brandy and some castor oil. Shitsov was sitting motionless, as before, on the bed, gazing dumbly at the floor. He drank the castor oil offered to him by his friend like an automaton, with no consciousness of what he was doing. Like an automaton, he sat afterwards at the table, and drank tea and brandy. Mechanically, he emptied the whole bottle and let the young premier put him to bed. The latter covered him up with a quilt and an overcoat, advised him to get into a perspiration, and went away. The night came on. Shitsov had drank a great deal of brandy, but he did not sleep. He lay motionless under the quilt and stared at the dark ceiling. Then, seeing the moon looking in at the window, he turned his eyes from the ceiling toward the companion of the earth, and lay so with open eyes till the morning. At nine o'clock in the morning, Zukov, the manager, ran in. What has put it into your head to be ill, my angel? He cackled, wrinkling up his nose. Ay, ay! A man with your physique has no business to be ill. For shame, for shame. Do you know, I was quite frightened. Can our conversation have had such an effect on him, I wondered. My dear soul, I hope it's not through me you've fallen ill. You know you gave me as good... Er... And, and besides, comrades can never get on without words. You called me all sorts of names, and have gone at me with your fists, too, and yet I am fond of you. Upon my soul, I am. I respect you, and I am fond of you. Explain, my angel, why I... Why I am so fond of you. You are neither kith nor kin nor wife, but as soon as I heard you had fallen ill, it cut me to my heart. Zukov spent a long time declaring his affection, then fell kissing the invalid, and finally was so overcome by his feelings that he began laughing hysterically, and was even meaning to fall into a swoon, but probably remembering that he was not at home nor at the theater, put off the swoon to a more convenient opportunity, and went away. Soon after him, Adabeshev, the tragic actor, a dingy, short-sighted individual who talked through his nose, made his appearance. For a while, he looked at Shipsov, and for a long while he pondered, and at last he made a discovery. Do you know what, Mifa? he said, pronouncing through his nose F instead of S-H, and assuming a mysterious expression. 
Do you know what? You ought to have a dose of castor oil. Shibsov remained silent. He remained silent, too, a little later as the tragic actor poured the loathsome oil into his mouth. Two hours later, Yavlempi, or as the actors for some reason called him, Rigoletto, the hairdresser of the company, came into the room. He, too, like the tragic man, stared at Shibsov for a long time, then sighed like a steam engine, and slowly and deliberately began untying a parcel he had brought with him. In it there were twenty cups and several little flasks. You should have sent for me, and I would have cupped you long ago, he said, tenderly bearing Shipsov's chest. It is easy to neglect illness. Thereupon, Rigoletto stroked the broad chest of the heavy father, and covered it all over with suction cups. Yes, he said, as after his operation he packed up his paraphernalia, crimson with Shipsov blood. You should have sent for me, and I would have come. You needn't trouble about payment. I do it from sympathy. Where are you to get the money if that idol won't pay you? Now, please take these drops. They are nice drops. And I know you must have a dose of this castor oil. It's the real thing. That's right. I hope it will do you good. Well, now, goodbye. Rigoletto took his parcel and withdrew, pleased that he had been of assistance to his fellow creature. The next morning, Sigave, the comic man, going into Sheepsov, found him in a terrible condition. He was lying under his coat, breathing in gasps, while his eyes strayed over the ceiling. In his hands, he was crushing convulsively the crumpled quilt. To Vyazma, he whispered when he saw the comic man. To Vyazma. Come, I don't like that old man, said the comic man, flinging up his hands. You see, you, you see, you see, old man, that's not the thing. Excuse me, but it, it's positively stupid. To go to Vyazma, my god, to go to Vyazma. I... I did not expect it of you, the comic man muttered, utterly distracted. What the deuce do you want to collapse like this for? Ay, 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 that's not the thing. A giant as tall as a watchtower and crying. Is it the thing for actors to cry? No, no wife, nor children, muttered Chipsov. I ought not to have gone for an actor, but have stayed at Vyazma. My life has been wasted. Semyon, oh, to be in Vyazma. Ay, 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 that's not the thing, you see. It's stupid, contemptible, indeed. Recovering his composure and setting his feelings in order, Sigev began comforting Shipsov, telling him untruly that his comrades had decided to send him to the Crimea at their expense and so on. But the sick man did not listen and kept muttering about Vyazma. At last, with a wave at his hand, the comic man began talking about Vyazma himself to comfort the invalid. It's a fine town, he said soothingly. A capital town, old man. It's famous for its cakes. The cakes are classical, but between ourselves, they're a bit croggy. For a whole week after eating them, I was... But what is fine there is the merchants. They are something like merchants. When they treat you, they do treat you. The comic man talked while Sheepsov listened in silence and nodded his head approvingly. Towards evening, he died. Well, 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 what a nice, sad, and depressing story about a man slowly uh, falling ill and dying. 
the whole while, hoping, wishing, and wanting to be home. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's that classic Russian dark, sad story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it's a little bit funny, but mostly mostly dark and sad. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's the main reason why I like this story so much is that at first you were hit with uh, this main character being sick and you always have some sort of hope that there, that there would be hope for this character. Either they will be able to get to Viasma or they would come out of this illness only to, as you continue to, to read, you notice that he keeps getting worse and worse and he starts to delve into delusions to the point to where his friend who has been there for him, who has tried so much to kind of pick him back up, uh, at the very end just decides to play into uh, this dying man's fantasy to, to give him some form of some form of comfort. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard to, you know, dig in a message here, but for me... Um, the way that I am interpreting the story is kind of that um, I think the implication is kind of that he uh, Shipsov dies because of the help that he gets, yes. right? I mean, he, All he the drinks so oil much castor oil. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every single one gives him castor oil and some other stuff that the cupping makes him bleed mm -hmm. and everything. Um, you know, it's it's unclear if that's like actually what killed him or, or what, but um, I, I don't think it actually helped. Um, and, and I think sort of the thing is that like, you know, what he really wanted was just comfort about the, the sadness and everyone was just telling him just like, get over yeah. it. Here's some solutions. And it's, um, and it's interesting how, when someone actually did try to comfort him, that was the moment that he died. Yeah. But I, I think there's a sign that like, I mean, he was like nodding, he was nodding approvingly at the end there. And you can kind of imagine that that's, that was like a, a comfort, mm -hmm. right? And of course he really, he would rather be able to go home, but if it's still impossible to go home, you know, maybe just, yeah, some, some comfort telling him, yeah, it's a nice city. Uh, what, what do you remember about it? Maybe that's all he really wanted and needed yeah i mean as you said with this story it's kind of hard to find a message i mean through and through uh the tone carries this very somber this very depressing tone and a sort of disgusting look at the people who seem just to flow through and seem to uh keep on saying that a that a man like you a man of your height a man of your stature shouldn't feel sick shouldn't be groveling so everyone is telling him what he shouldn't be which is the opposite of what it seems like he's really looking for he's looking for comfort mm -hmm. not answers people keep coming to him with answers which is which is either hey you need to be drunk hey you need to drink yeah. castor oil when all the while, what he really needs is just to go home. But everyone is telling him that that yeah. is impossible. Not only impossible, but stupid. Yeah, like um, no one's it, trying it, to at least in at least entertain his true wants uh, beyond mm -hmm. trying to get him ready for his next show. Mm -hmm. Some of it's still a little uh, confusing without you know reading more to context. Like there's the part there where he's talking about. Um, getting drunk right um and and what he does when he's drunk and i'm pretty sure the implication is that he just like beat up a bunch of random yes. people <laughs> and they were like celebrating not random people but like beating up greeks yes which is just like 
okay. It's odd. That's just the culture here. It's just to celebrate getting drunk and then beating up foreigners. I would I would love to figure out when this was written. Um, only because, like, I mean, through and through, uh, everyone smells of vodka. No, <laughs> no mm. one seems to be doing too good or just hobbling around drunkenly. And I mean, as you said, it seems that whatever culture this is glorifies getting dummy drunk and beating up random people you know this sort of gravitas man's man type of way that um these sort of influences were put onto this character um at this at this character's lowest point and at the end of the day that's not what he needed but no one was even trying to figure out understand or give this man what he needed yeah so, which is just a bit of of sympathy i think yeah and i mean that was that was a part that like stung when uh the doctor that that gave him the um cupping said hey you don't have to to pay i'm i'm doing this yeah. for sympathy reasons cuz you look horrible um and <laughs> and they're not going to pay you well or something like that so yeah i mean i enjoy how Throughout this very depressing tale, there there's also hints of this sort of dark comedy um, that mm-hmm. seems just to be floating in the air, uh, which was also really changes how you read it. I mean, like when he's calling out to Viasma, to a certain extent, it's almost funny um, mm-hmm. based off yeah. of the tone itself. But, you know, I never expected when I was reading this that it would just all cascade into this man dying. I thought that there would be that (laughs) sense of hope. But then again, I mean, it seems that overall, my hope for wanting hope is hopeless within this story. Mm-hmm, um, sure. Yeah. Um, so if we want to transition into the uh, the theme for this week, mm-hmm. um, so the challenge for this week is going to be to write a story about home. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, whether that be what home means to you, uh, a mm-hmm. want for home, what happens at home, and what makes a, a home. Because clearly... Uh, this character who is slowly dying is only calling out to go home mm-hmm. yeah so so there's a lot of um you know spins we can take on 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 this take obviously this one from this story is about yearning for home and what that you know uh can can do to us and if it maybe is it's futile because in this case it's somewhere very far away mm-hmm. and mostly it's just a memory of the past because uh you know his parents are probably gone yeah. too and, and and to be so, honest there, there's nothing for him at home besides home itself oh like the concept of home yeah, yeah I, I guess i see what you mean um yeah so but of course there's many other ways to take it as as you uh said like what makes a good home what makes a bad home uh what happens if a home goes bad right or you know relating to this home is like not only a a a space but also a time right and it's dependent on a lot of factors there's a classic take of like you know home is where you know your family is or whatever that means you know it doesn't have to be a specific place so a lot of uh, different ways you can can take it um and uh i'm excited to see what uh y'all do with it definitely definitely well, all right. I think that's uh, as as much we can talk about this straightforward, depressing tale. And I, I honestly did really like your reading. It, it brought a lot of life to these sort of uh, choppy, dis, disjointed lines. So you did a fantastic Thank job. You. 
I, I think I, I started doing a, an Italian accent, yes, which is not intentional. I, I, I. Look, look, I don't know how to read those lines. Yeah, like, and also you. I'm reading the text as is. You, you did a much better job with these names than I ever could have. <laughs> so Thank so you. Good. Oh, they're a mess. Well, I, 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 they're not, I, I doubt I pronounced any of them correctly. Yeah, it's fine. Well, all right, let's go ahead and transition into one of my favorite parts of this entire podcast, which is getting to our listener-submitted stories. Thank you so much to everyone who did submit a story about satire this week. It was a mixture of fun, and and I got exactly what commentary you are trying to comment on. So, Mm -hmm. the stories we are going to be reading this week are by Matt Said Words, Sarah Penguin, Wook Against the Machine, Nicked You, and Captain Rhino. Super cool to see uh, some people returning. I know uh, Captain Rhino hadn't uh, written a story in a while, so I'm really um, happy to see theirs here now. Mm -hmm. All right. Up first is Matt Said Word with the United States of the People's Republic for which it stands in Silicon Valley. (laughs) And then uh, United is Y O U United. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's it's really good. It's yeah, really that's good. a fantastic <laughs> title. <laughs> so uh, Billiam wakes up on Christmas morning, uh, and he goes outside to see a drone floating outside the front door, and the, the drone starts talking to him, and, and it's basically monologues to him uh, what has just happened. There's drones everywhere, uh, with a little clip attached to it, and googly eyes attached to the clip. Um, because they're all called Clippy, their new virtual representative. So um, it announces uh, that Billiam now lives in a district of the United States of the People's Republic for which it stands in Silicon <laughs> Valley, or hashtag YSPRWSSV, uh, because as of 3 a.m., the companies of Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Mojang, I love that little touch, <laughs> uh, have purchased the entirety of the United States government. <laughs> so... <laughs> Really playing into the absurdity, basically, uh, we're told here that the story is uh, a uh, con- congressional representative wrote into a 5,000-page spending bill uh, that the government was to be put up for auction and forgot about it, and then um, it passed because no one reads that, <laughs> and um, then and it was scanned electronically, and AI picked it up, and then all of those companies pulled together their tax returns and, and purchased the government. So Billiam is is more mostly just like asking questions to continue this, and he's not. He seems like this this isn't his favorite thing, but he's not like really protesting against it either. Uh, there's some other you know some good things. The United States government's former members are, as per the amendment passed, being summarily imprisoned. According to polls, this will come as a relief to the general public," said the voice, matter of factly. <laughs> and there's some other uh, things. Uh, apparently, the Capitol building is going to be a giant uh, Minecraft uh, Starship Enterprise yes. in California, um, which is a great little comedic touch when that image shows up, and then through a thin wall, Billiam could hear someone next door shout, "Sick!" Which <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. And uh, th- then we conclude saying that uh, you can you can ask Clippy for. Uh, to 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 ask something uh in general from the representative and it will be an honestly completely useless and moderately infuriating reply within six to eight weeks thank you and we look forward to governing you (laughs) so 
a wonderful introduction to this to the strange uh satire i really enjoyed it oh oh yeah i mean i i really really dug this story i mean the the comedy throughout is turned up to a thousand because of how absurd this uh story really is but i also like how it is taking a snapshot of this sort of world that's run by a few companies and really and really asking the uh the uh, question if they had the possibility of buying the whole nation well what would that look like and i do like this this sort of look into a quote-unquote possible future how everything is easy for the general people the only thing that they're really giving up is what their it's what their current world really does look like uh, and I and I really do like the um, touches of the person next door being totally down for it. Uh, everyone mm-hmm. having their own personal drone, a dr- uh, drone that uh, that sits four four feet from you, even though social distancing dictates that that it should be six. Like there are so many little nice touches that really filled out this um, world that is being written about while while also giving us ample comedy and a nice tinge of commentary on just sort of how much our world is really run by money and corporations so i mean overall i think this this idea is um fully realized and i really really like yeah i like the different ways that it's making fun of each of these uh these companies um so my my critique here is uh, as a satire i really like it but the one thing it's missing is is i think the response from billiam Mm, or other members of society and i think that is where you could really push the 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 commentary right so like this horrible things happens and you know maybe billiam is actually like outraged at it but then as soon as you know there is uh you know an offering of like you know 50 percent off of you know some sale or you know, maybe those companies improve some small, you know, aspect of his life. They give him better internet access or, or you know, <laughs> whatever you want to comment on society. What is the thing that like tides him over and is like, actually, I don't care about this. Or he doesn't, he has no way to, he, he, there's no way that he like wants to try and actually protest, right? Mm-hmm. He's just going to complain or whatever, right? I think that would have been a really good opportunity to really push the 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 social commentary aspect of the of the satire but i really enjoyed it as a as a comedic story so thank you for that fantastic job and up next is sarah penguin with snow angels so in this one tori and laura are watching some christmas movies and here we we have some commentary on on hallmark uh christmas (laughs) movies too i love it um and a, a nod toward the current discourse about how home alone isn't actually a christmas movie because it's not the christmas spirit it just takes place during christmas i disagree with that but i'll i understand that it's it's a debate going on but they they look outside and uh they decide to um make some snow angels which is uh where the story takes a turn um tori pushes uh laura into the snow uh where she she makes a a snow angel but as she stands back up tori cuts her hand uh the blood falls into the snow angel whereupon um the snow freezes over and then uh the angel comes to life from the blood and snow and uh which is also like a horrifying version of of angels the actual biblical kind it has like a hundreds of eyes um and so uh tori offers uh floor uh a a 
little gift um and um basically the the angel complains that uh this is actually useless you are wasting my time i think the implication is that tori then sells her boyfriend to the angel (laughs) this is sort of like a demonic pact but with an angel and laura is not actually shocked by any of this this is normal she's just a little bothered because uh her best friend is not has been making pacts without telling her and uh apparently uh tori sold the uh promise of saving himself for marriage that her boyfriend gave her to the angel. So then they debate what they want to do next. I think the implication is they want to build a snowman as a, uh, like sort of demonic slave, I think (laughs) that is masochistic. So this is what they like enjoy. Um, or other things. Seemingly there's a lot of, of terrible magic going on, but, um, you know, there's some wholesome, Friendship stuff. And um, so Sarah Penguin in their comment uh, explains that uh, this was a play on the idea of the miracle of a, of, of Christmas snow, of, of how that being magical and things like that. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, overall, I really did like this um, story. First and foremost, I enjoy the beginning when they are talking about uh, talking about Hallmark movies and uh, Home Alone. I am a firm believer that Home Alone is as much of a Christmas movie as Die Hard, meaning 100% they are Christmas movies. Um, But uh, yeah, I just, I like how strange this story turns and it's very unexpected that they would summon this sort of snow, like a snow angel and uh, start making packs with it. Um, and overall, I just really enjoy the tone. It's very light and it's fun, even though we are going through these sort of like dark and and uh, de- and demonic scenes. I just think it definitely really does work very well um, and and also carries the sort of Christmassy tone, which I which I would normally mm-hmm. find very hard to work in something that is about, you know, making a snowman slave and such so so i honestly think Mm -hmm. that uh this story is uh written very well and it carries that true blue christmas spirit that i love so fantastic job yeah um i will say so i don't necessarily think um that this um has the commentary uh the Sarah Penguin wanted to do about the religious aspects of of christmas actually being treated as just like a, a way to hurt and judge other mm-hmm. people for not doing it religiously enough i i think the the magic that shows up in this doesn't really appear as religion to me it seems more just magical yeah. um so i think if if there was like more added like the religious aspects of like belief and and the, the sort of judgment and stuff like that i think that would be um a good way to push that satire of like sending the angel off to punish people who aren't you know doing stuff for for christmas or or something like that, or judging their neighbor for um, not creating demon angels <laughs> or whatever. But I really enjoyed this. I, I enjoyed the concept. <laughs> Very much so. And a really great job, Sarah Penguin. And up next is Wook Against the Machine with an affiliated woman on the lamb. Which is a fun <laughs> title and uh, for fun story. So um, this uh, story is told in a sort of uh, report um, like a news report, basically a wanted ad for a um, like a like a criminal, yeah. right? And it describes 
when the crime happened basically and, and who this person is and what she's wanted for and if you can get information for her and then it describes who this woman is so basically the implication is that uh, miss allison has is accused of failure to affiliate herself with a specific uh, political party or its prescribed <laughs> beliefs a third degree felony punishable by two to ten years imprisonment and then it goes through um, many examples of how she stayed neutral in different times and how disturbing it was to everyone around her uh, she hadn't voted in any of the primaries um, according to her co-workers at the high school that she works at um, uh, has never filed a complaint to administration about political charge decisions which need to be used to figure out her political positioning and it was infuriating when there was a workplace dodgeball tournament uh, everyone was supposed to wear jerseys with the word abortion <laughs> repeated numerous times across the front which i thought it was so <laughs> i'm gonna pause here just to talk about that moment which is so great because it's just such a like meaningless political statement of just like i'm on one side but it doesn't it's just the yeah. word. It doesn't even mean... I, I like how uh, it's still like ambiguous there where it's like, I don't know if that's supposed to be a good thing or a bad thing. Really well done. Uh, but apparently she was wearing gay pride socks too. Uh, but like... In a, so, so it's very confusing which side that she's on uh, when she didn't wear that, that shirt. And she called the Hispanic co-teacher Mexican, which yes, he was Mexican, but that's not the point. <laughs> um, and when uh, the teacher, the Hispanic teacher stated but i am a mexican the school has since barred hispanic teachers from issuing further statements on the matter citing a desire to avoid continued racial discrimination <laughs> so uh, the wonderful satire going all the way through it uh, she's at large and um they're looking for information leading to her arrest um i really enjoyed it i love how this entire thing like this entire controversy has entirely been about like the politics of like whose side you are on rather than like actually the 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 issues at mm -hmm. hand and how they, they're silencing the people that they're pretending to help yeah it's it's really yeah great. and honestly i think this this story is very ripe with this uh satire i mean through and through i completely understand what it is commenting on it's uh commenting on the the state of um fake progressiveness that that uh, might be going on and i do like how it's kind of turned to a thousand to where this person who just doesn't blatantly say what side they they're on is now up for arrest and i mean through and through it is a really fun a fun ride and i love how everything is kind of twisted in a very interesting and uh creative way that that really leads you that really leaves you not only smiling but also really questioning through and through i guess the state of being uh, right now and um and kind of how things are so polarized to where if you're not on this one side then you have to be against everything so i mean overall mm -hmm. i think the satire of this this story is really well done and it's coupled with a really well written story so i mean overall i really really loved this one it's a fantastic job yeah it was really funny and i think um shows off what it what the intention is here really mm -hmm. clearly well, all right up next is nick to you with superheroes don't kill uh, so here um, we have the implication that there's this sort of gang here called the Snake Pit um, that was causing some problems in the neighborhood. And so our main character has uh, shown up to to take them down and uh, has found a research and, and found the place. So he shows up 
and starts kicking ass, right? And in an extremely violent way, uh, like uber violent, starting with um, uh, bashing a guy's fingers inside a door and then going in there, um, breaking, you know, knees, uh, cracking skulls, breaking arms as they, they um, you know, scream and, and shout because they are in great pain. And all these people are also dressed like snakes. And all the while uh, doing some really, really terrible and like just kind of like dickish uh, clips <laughs> as he as he goes like, like they're, they're not even like that they're just like asshole things like hope your health insurance covers that right we're just like okay well it's like that's actually i mean you are breaking their limbs like this <laughs> this cost stuff asking if is if this is the the furry convention because they're all <laughs> snakes and stuff like that so just just kind of a, a dick and uh then he, he comes to the the, the super villain there a uh, sort of snake man, snake king, and a bunch of snakes come out of his arms and stuff like that. Um, and they start fighting, and it's still just being a, a total get dick. The 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 snake king asks, "What the fuck is your problem? You come in here to kill me? You're acting like it's some fucking joke." And then he says, "I don't kill." I said seriously, superheroes don't kill. If I kill you, then I'll be like you, which I think is like very clear that like it's this that's a joke too like he's he's he believes in that but he's doing it like ironically <laughs> um and then he gets bitten by a snake um and he realizes oh that's actually hurting him and he he has to fight everyone off before he leaves but on on the way out he he punches the the, the first guy once more just because he he was mad <laughs> um, and it's just like he's just wrecked havoc on everyone here and really hurt everyone <laughs> And, like, just questioning if he's done, like, any good, I guess. I really do love this um, take on, I guess, superheroing. How, um, like, it is known that most superheroes follow this this really close code. But when it comes down to it, that, that code probably shifts around. And I really do love how this superhero is just simply cracking jokes. Like, like he has, like, five minutes on a, like, open mic through and through. Um, even when he, when he gets up to this sort of <laughs> snake villain, uh, he's making jokes in his, his face and, uh, blatantly acting very unheroic and, and a not like a superhero, but since he doesn't kill, he has to be a superhero. So yeah, I mean, this, this story reminded me a lot of the uh, boys, um, except, you know, a lot less blood and, uh, racial slurs um but yeah I, <laughs> I mean through and through i just really like this glimpse into this very strange superhero world yeah definitely yeah it carries across this sort of satirical take on this i, I do agree that the you know uh it's it's like slightly unclear of like the the, the depths of the the satire mm -hmm. but just as a, a takedown of like sort of the idea of just being a dick to uh to, to criminals as a good thing i think it, um is a really good start and i definitely had fun reading yeah. it so fantastic job. And our last story for this week is by Captain Rhino with Screw Tapes Review of the Year. And this is this is a wonderful little one. So this is another um another of Captain Rhino's fan fictions of the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Um where uh, C.S. Lewis, um that's the author of Narnia, for those who mm -hmm. don't know. Um, imagines a series of letters, and I'm reading Captain Rhino's disclaimer here at the top, from a senior demon to a junior demon, giving him advice on how to corrupt humanity. So it's a that that series already was a satire, and here Captain Rhino is adding another one in that that vein, which I think is a, a really um, good idea and and a good thing that people should should try out. Um, you know, taking 
following the the format of other people's um writing i think is a good practice which again is just fan fiction but i think it's good Mm -hmm. practice anyway so uh this one is about the pandemic right Uh so he's he's writing to this junior demon uh uh grub rot who has just utterly failed to hurt humanity at all this year and he uh goes on and and talks about and, and gives examples how uh there's another you know demon named like nat blight who had uh they call the human that they're working on their patient which i which i think is fun uh worked on her patient to make her stay at home right which sounds like a sounds like a good thing right doesn't sound like a demonic thing at all except uh she was being a super huge dick about it right she was giving no sympathy to anyone else's circumstances and judging everyone else for not staying at home when um she was young single childless had no close family relationships and her work was entirely desk bound so uh she just made everyone else feel bad all the people with children all the people who had to work multiple jobs to just live and just generally being just a just judgmental asshole to to every one of them and uh wart knuckle another demon uh worked on his patient to um make him not believe anyone else and join a bunch of uh conspiracy (laughs) theories and basically become a a super selfish person right and so it's just going through all these examples of of people who you know think that they're in the right and uh actually are are doing terrible wrong and actually have been you know uh tempted by by demons into just being terrible terrible people and uh grub has been a total failure in comparison um just making his his patient go visit his neighbors which was like mildly annoying but was actually kind of a good thing <laughs> so uh did pretty bad so he's got a he, but he has one more chance uh now that that santimus is coming and everyone's going to be upset about it because it's somewhat canceled due to the pandemic. Um, but uh, Screwtape expects great things of Grubberot, but anticipates disappointment. Know this. If you don't give me something good for Santamus this year, you might just find yourself on the dinner table. Yours ravenously, Screwtape. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoy the commentary being said here. How um people are very quick to um basically uh delve into these sort of conspiracy theories by uh inflating their their own e uh, their own ego really thinking that they're onto something even though there's there's nothing there and i also like how this sort of isolation at staying at home especially during this pandemic can really wear on people and I mean, overall, I I really do like how this is in the same vein as the um, OG screw tapes. I, I I really do love them, and I think this definitely carries across that tone very well. And I mean, overall, I just the comedic tone of this letter and how pointed it really is really aids in uh, its readability. I mean, I could read this a thousand times and uh, find something really fun about it each time and yeah i just really enjoy the the read i uh, love what is being said and and i mean overall i i laughed and i thought and i really did enjoy this story so great job Mm -hmm. i think it's a it's a good format to play around in definitely definitely well all right that's all of other stories for this week but we want to say a good old do the right thing thank you to everyone who did leave a story so Thank you very much to Matt Said Words. Thank you to Captain Rhino. Thank you, Sarah Penguin. 
Thank you, Wook Against the Machine. And thank you, Nick, to you. And we also want to say thank you to everyone who left two or more comments. Leaving comments not only under your own story, but someone else's story can not only allow you to summarize how you feel about your story, but you're providing someone else with crucial feedback that can aid them in becoming a better writer. So thank you very much to Nick to you, Matt Said Words, Captain Rhino, and Wook Against the Machine. Thank you so much for leaving comments. If you want to be like all, all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, you can do that by submitting your story to Reddit under slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three of four words from that week. That's right. And uh, now that the, the new year is coming up, um, you know, maybe tell a friend to uh, do this as a, as a New Year's resolution, right? Um, someone who's been putting off writing for a while. Maybe this is the time to tell them to go ahead and try this out. Like, it legitimately helps people write, right? How many stories have been made uh, sent into this podcast since it started, right? I It's, it's like... 800 or something like that it's a lot um which i am very very impressed by uh y'all have done such a great job it's been so wonderful you know yeah do you actually want to say anything um now this is one of the the last podcasts that this is the last episode of do the right thing for this year do you know that wow i didn't know that that's crazy well, I didn't I mean, think about that at all. I guess, honestly, do the right thing for me, especially during this very trying year, has been a saving grace. I mean, no matter how stressed I am about the COVID, stressed about online classes, just stressed about life, I can always really look forward to a host of really well-written stories. And I can mm-hmm. definitely see all of the people that that write in, even if it's, peri- even if it's peri- uh, periodical or, or even if it's every week. I've seen the growth. I've felt the growth and like especially going from the beginning of of this year even to when we started do the right thing. I'm just very pleased that um we've provided at least a outlet for people to feel comfortable to uh submit their work to try something different and just to get to write. I mean here in these stories is the groundwork for greater works and i'm just very glad that we're able to provide people with that sort of jumping off point to where they can take whatever they do right for this podcast work on it some more and make something really great that i know people would love so really i mean thank you to everyone who listens and everyone who writes in because hey you've made my 2020 a lot better than it could have been yeah, absolutely. That's that's way better uh, said than than anything else I, I have. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really thankful for all the effort y'all have have put into this, and it's really gratifying to see you know people improving over time and and getting something out of it. Right? You know, sometimes I forget that that like I <laughs> I forget that people listen to this sometimes, and I'm like. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, because you know we're just we're just talking to each other, yeah, but y'all are actual proof. Not only that y'all y'all listened, but you know that that this helps in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I mean, going in, into the do the the right thing content, it really does warm my my heart seeing these works that we've seen on the podcast getting edited, and you can see how much like mm-hmm. how much improvement has has gone into it. How they turned from a from a do the right thing challenge to really solid pieces of work. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, it is, it is exciting being in this 
driver's seat but really this this grade eight this grade eight fuel that's being pumped into our tesla is 100 percent filtered by y'all's fantastic work uh isn't the whole point of a tesla is that it doesn't take fuel exactly and that okay. is commentary that's comedy uh, right there that's satire that's satire. uh is that satire is that satire Jarvis? no satire. I, I think it's just me being dumb but that's okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so, so well, well, speaking of the the do, do the right thing contest. So, starting uh, this week and going on uh, till uh, the week after is the voting for the do the right thing contest. <gasps> so, if you go to uh, the Doof Media Patreon, there should be a post there uh, with all of the stories that were submitted, links to all of them, and a poll. You can vote for as many of them as you like. That that. Um, yeah as many as you like uh we recommend at least reading three before you you vote um you know we'll we'll i'll include a a link to a a random number generator so you can randomly read them rather than just you know reading whatever has the most interesting title right Mm -hmm. that you know gets a little unfair right um you know we want to make sure that that there's like an even spread of of reading between all the stuff that way everyone has like a a good shot so mm-hmm. uh but if you are yeah if you're if you're a, a patron and and want to uh go ahead and, and vote on that there's some fantastic stories uh there um and um i i'm really excited to uh see who's who's the winner for that so for the next two weeks yeah the voting will be open um and the the episode after next so episode 93 we will announce the the, the winners exactly and also if you want to uh talk to us in any way just to say hello how are you doing if you have a book that you've really loved or you want to send it our our way because you think we we haven't read it you can contact us through our gmail which is which is rightthingcast at gmail.com it's it's right. always open and it's always free to send us a little something and you could also send us a uh, DM on Twitter if you want. I'm pretty sure our, our DMs are open. I, I should probably double check that. They are. Um, which is at RightThingCast. You can also see uh, the words as they come out there and any other announcements we have about the podcast. Um, and also follow the Doof Media uh, Twitter if you haven't already done that because there's there's tons of different things that were going on. Uh, recently, we, um, we uh, released the um, 12 Days of Doofmas that <laughs> we did last year. So that was 12 essays done by different members of uh, Doof Media. Um, most of us wrote uh, two, I believe. Um, and uh, we, we re- originally released them as patron-only content, but now, as after a year has passed, we decided to release them for, for everyone. So you can go read those. There's some great stuff. Um and uh, yeah, so so uh, so wonderful stuff going on in in the the Doof stuff. Um, for for other things that are going on in Doof Media, the book club is going on um, this uh, weekend for Brandon Sanderson's Warbreaker, which I have read and I I intend to uh, attend. Um, it's a really great book and it's pretty short, so if you haven't read it yet, uh, you could get it from a library or something like that and uh, read it pretty quickly. So I, I highly recommend it. It also has some authors commentary um that talks about his writing process and stuff like that in the footnotes so um a pretty pretty good book to read actually um for writing stuff um it's a fantasy and it's really colorful i actually really really like this one um do you want to uh, real quick uh, plug the bonus content that's coming out this week oh yes i complete we just recorded it 
We just recorded yeah, that we did. a couple hours ago, yeah. which is why maybe we're like a, a little more tired. I'm also, I have the COVID uh, and allergies and it's late. So mm. <laughs> I apologize if our voices are a little tired. Oh, yes. But... It is 1130, but that's completely fine, you know, because I mm-hmm. normally go to sleep at 10. So right now I'm going off a straight octane, baby. But we... <laughs> are you huffing? Huh? Are you huffing? Yes. I'm smoking mad opium right now, bro okay it's crazy up in here uh <laughs> but <laughs> i don't think you huff opium <laughs> do you wait can you maybe i you mean can. you can smoke o- you can smoke o- opium and it's in pills smokium I, I, I guess you could huff it normally you huff paint um or like methane but I don't know. We should get a P.O. box so people can send us opium. Oh, yeah. I, I would love that, honestly. Because you know what? I've been really stressed <laughs> lately. And honestly, I just, think, I, just, I just think I need to delve down a really deep K-hole right now. You, you know, you know, <laughs> you, you know what? You know what Denton, Texas needs right now? What? <laughs> you know, we have we have hookah bars. We need an opium den. We need a yes. Denton opium den. Yes, we do. Honestly. And I mean, really. You can just turn half of the hookah bars into opium dens. Just put a mm-hmm. little bit of something different in that tobacco. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. What's <laughs> what's the what's the at, at the the ten dollar patron level unlocking uh, various bonus content? What, what what's coming out this week for that, Jarvis? So this week we have a special episode of Doof Over, which we haven't done in, in a moment, but we are hoping to do more in the future. Uh, and this doofover is about Death Note, one of a, a very highly acclaimed and known anime that me and you both love very, very much. And we talked about a lot of things. We, we talked about all of the letdowns, why we love it. Also talked about justice and power. So it, so if you have seen Death Note and, and want to hear us talk about all of the spicy deets, please check in. And listen to that, because it is definitely one of the best episodes of Doofover we have made thus far. <laughs> you, yeah, I guess you could say that. And that is coming out uh, this Wednesday. Um, so, uh, yeah, lots lots of uh, things out. It was a really good discussion. I really enjoyed it. Um, and the next episode is going to be on Steins Gate, which is a really, really good anime. Like, actually good um, <laughs> about time travel. So I highly recommend that one. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So... Can you, my friend, tell me what are next week's words? Great question, Jarvis. So keeping in mind that, um, wait, this is so weird. I don't say the, what the words are. You, you know, say what the words are, exactly. don't you? Isn't I, that the thing? I do normally, but I, 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 mean, I, I can. switched it up on you. All right. Well, I guess I failed. I didn't, I didn't flow with it. Mm. For shame, for shame. We know your name. So... <laughs> So uh, the, the the words next week are threat, range, indulge, and entitlement. And also, y'all will be writing about home, what home means to you, the good things, the bad things, what makes up home, being homesick, or wanting to never go back home. Just write, just revolve your stories a- a- around the idea, concept, and place that is home. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, as you said... The words threat, rate, indulge, and and entitlement. So threat, it is danger that is right in front of you. It 
It can also be part of some sort of rating system, threat level one, threat level two. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't normally it, define things, but that's okay. Uh, no, that comes from anime. I like how it's already, it's influencing you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Threat level dragon. Threat level could dragon. Be. Threat level demon. Uh, threat. Yeah. You you know what, what a threat is. Rate. <laughs> <laughs> Rate, which which is normally uh, part of some sort of numerical system. People rate clothes. Some people rate people, which you probably shouldn't do. Uh, rate. It is a form of measurement, typically tied to some uh, some inclining number. Something can can come at a at a rate, right? Um, like the rate of fire, Ooh, or whatever. Yes. High rate of speed, mm-hmm. and then indulge. Uh, basically to uh, have a good time with something that might be too good for you. People indulge in eating chocolate. People indulge in the pleasures of the flesh. You can indulge in multiple things. You could uh, get an indulgence, which um, is something that the Catholic Church once sold, which basically absolved you of your sins. What? What? I didn't know this. What is they indulge? Like, is it a thing or? Wait, are you serious? Yeah, I don't know what a indulgence in that context. Not... No. Well, that's the whole thing that Martin Luther hated. That's why he he wrote the ninety five theses and hammered oh, it on the door I of see. the church. It's because he was like, "Hey, this is actually really bullshit." Um, but yeah, an indulgence was a. Basically, a, you, you give a certain amount, amount of money to the church, and then you get a blanket. Hey, you're good. Oh. No, all your sins are forgiven. Yes. Don't worry about it. Don't you get like a piece of paper or something? <laughs> I think Just so, but it, it's more free. the symbolic yeah. thing on your on your soul yeah. that, that matters. And hey, all you had to do was just fork over a little bit of money. I mean, isn't it worth it? Doesn't it make sense? Yeah, uh, I, I think I think uh, indulgences are still a thing. They're just not sold. Yeah, I think it might depend. And now they're called tides. <laughs> That's a different thing. That, that is different. <laughs> and then entitlement. You can have. You can basically that is believing that you deserve something that you might not truly deserve. Some people feel feel entitled to to get somewhere within life. You can also have a have a entitlement to a car yeah like a an entitlement that's handed out is something that uh is uh, handed out because uh it's just the i guess the law that that people are supposed to get it even if they i guess didn't earn it is the idea mm-hmm. um although that that is sort of Arbitrary. that's a, that's a yeah. bad con- concept who like can really determine it who can really determine what someone deserve only the lord can do that exactly <laughs> um all right jarvis uh what what uh story are you can write and then after we do our stories let's let's just say what uh, the book will what the story we'll be reading is of after course. that so my story is going to take place at the center of a beautiful chocolate cluster now you oh. see these chocolate clusters they're delicious people indulge in them through and through every day and they are they have been rated as the number one chocolate on the market but the reason why it tastes so good the reason why it's a party in your mouth is because it's a party in your mouth you see there are <laughs> there, there are these little tiny creatures you know not all of them non threatening and they're called the party people 
all of them made of chocolate, all of them raving and, and riding and having a good old time in the middle of your mouth. Covered in chocolate, littered in, in gold, and injected with a nice fresh squeeze of caramel. Delicious, delicious. Now, of course, it's very hard to pass live living creatures as food, especially when you have to think of the FDA. But, you see, this candy was made by Hershey's. And as we all know, Hershey's is, is entitled to make any and everything they want because chocolate is good. People love chocolate, and it also has an addictive quality. But the one thing that Hershey's didn't plan on when putting these tiny little party-crazed creatures in the center of these, of these delicious golden glitter caramel-infused chocolates is that these tiny little creatures had sentience. And, and as the droves of, of Americans bent on gaining more fat by, by devouring more and more balls of, of chocolate, as more and more of these balls went into their mouth. <laughs> just, just, just read a staccato story. I'm a child. Uh, <laughs> as, as they ate more balls, these tiny party creatures slowly took Super over their body stupid. from finger to finger, arm to arm, leg to leg, until we're all giant rolling fattening balls of party energy that was that was um thank you <laughs> wow <laughs> what okay are you, what are you gonna write about <laughs> i'm gonna uh write about this kid and he, th- he thought he was entitled to to everything and um his parents would always indulge him and they indulged him so much that he uh, came to start owning everything because he was entitled to it and no one could argue with him. Um, and uh, as he kept owning more things, you know, just demanding them and nobody could could argue against him, he became more and more of a threat until eventually he was rated uh, death, destruction, world terror, threat level two. <laughs> and... Uh, he owned the world. He was entitled to the whole world, and he just had it. Wow! I like didn't know that greed could instantaneously make you king of the world. Yep, pretty much. Uh, what's the story we're reading next week? So the story we are going to be reading next week is by H.P. Lovecraft with the terrible old man, which is a very nice story of a uh, little bit of cutting. And a little bit of slashing. That's right. Um, and uh, reading that story will be the right thing to do. Exactly. All right. See you all next week. Happy New Year. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Goodbye. Let's fade Et away. Bye. Good night. Uh, stay safe. Stay safer than my family. Bye.